As world leaders meet this month in Egypt to try to move forward on fighting climate change, I propose a fundamental change to this international process so that we can move beyond empty promises that might not work and actually make sure the climate gets fixed. Let's dig in. Welcome to the Human Survival Podcast, where we aim for world cooperation on critical threats to humanity. This show is offered by the Human Survival Project, a grassroots movement for citizens around the world to push for transformation of the United Nations. Our global threats need global cooperation because no nation alone can manage them. Here we have honest conversations about overcoming climate change, destruction of nature, pandemics, nuclear weapons, advancing technology, and other catastrophic threats. But this is not all doom and gloom. We talk solutions here. We can solve this mess humanity is in. We just need to be smart and do the work. To survive, we must see ourselves first as citizens of the human race. To thrive, we must protect what is beautiful about humanity. This is urgent, so let's start. Hi friends, welcome to the Human Survival Podcast. I'm Shelby Murtis. Thanks for joining me. So I'm going to assume you know that climate change is real bad and it's real serious and we're starting to have big problems in the world and we're headed for far bigger problems in the world if we don't get this solved. Um, this month, we have the international process happening where world leaders get together to negotiate around climate change. This is called COP27. They're meeting in Egypt. Uh, COP stands for Conference of the Parties. And this is the 27th international meeting around climate change that happened, uh, that started in the 90s. Uh, you might be most familiar with the Paris Agreement that happened in 2015. Um, and what's happening now is an extension of that process. I want to share with you today an idea that I think would greatly help this process and help it move along better and faster and more assertively. Um, but first, let me just note the situation as it is right now. So um, scientists who have studied climate have told us that to stay in the safe zone, we need to stay within 1.5 degrees Celsius above what it was in pre-industrial levels, basically before the 1800s, um, before we started emitting all these fossil fuel um, emissions. So we need to stay within 1.5, and they say certainly within two degrees Celsius, or else we're really, really screwed. So the problem now is that everything's still going in the wrong direction, and we haven't gotten a handle on it. So basically, if we do nothing, scientists tell us at the pace we're on, we're going to be well beyond that two degrees Celsius that's happening. Um, Fossil fuel use has not gone down yet, and in some places is still going up and still increasing. Overall, greenhouse gas emissions in the world is still going up. Um, we do not yet have the vigorous public policies in place that will help us solve this. 
um, our overall energy use that humanity uses is still going up. So despite the, um, the proliferation of renewable energies like solar panels and wind turbines and everything, um, we still have not gotten emissions down because our overall um, ravenous desire for energy in the world is still going up. Now, in this 2015 Paris Agreement, um, they set out a plan where countries would offer their commitment or their pledge of what reductions they're going to have. And so countries have been making these targets um, for the future, like we'll cut this many admissions by this year. Um, that's our plan. And so as you compile all these plans and people have done amazing research and analysis and luckily this process has put in place tools to really keep an eye on countries emissions and know what they're emitting um, but even just putting together these pledges or these promises they only add up to keeping it down to somewhere around two and a half degrees celsius above pre-industrial levels and we need to get it certainly below two and ideally below one and a half. Right now the world is at about 1.1 degrees Celsius um, so we're reaching that 1.5 um, limit very quickly. And so here we are with a process that's purely voluntary and even if it works it's only getting us down to 2.5 degrees Celsius and there's a big if on whether countries will actually follow through on their promises. And it's really tricky for me to trust this process, even though I have huge admiration for all the people doing it, and it's far better than what we had several years ago. At least something's happening. But it's really hard for me to trust that countries are going to follow through on their agreements. So the kind of things that make me skeptical or hard to trust is witnessing countries not follow through on their agreements previously. So there's this long pattern of um, treaties happening that countries don't follow or they don't pay their bills at the United Nations, their dues that they're supposed to pay and have promised to pay and they don't pay. Or even within the climate realm itself, um, there was an agreement where wealthier countries in the world would put into a fund uh, $100 billion per year to help poorer countries make their uh, green transition to renewable energies and to help them deal with and adapt to the climate, change of climate. And they have not put that money in, um, even though they said they would. And so there's these kind of promises that continue to be broken by countries. And um, what's tricky here is that if we simply wait to see what they do and wait to see if they follow through on their promises, if they don't, it's kind of too late at that point because the world is really up against it in terms of dealing with climate. We have to have action right now or else um, it's really going to hurt and it's going to spiral out of control. So it just worries me to have this purely voluntary process and then we just wait and see if countries are finally going to do what they say. That's a lot of trust in nothing.
And if they don't follow through, um, it's going to hurt. So what I would like to see is a process that really puts in place um, some consequences if countries don't follow through. And it's not for the purpose of just punishing people for being bad. That's not my intention at all. It's putting in place ways to get everybody to follow through and stick with the process. Um, and so I'm just noticing that over this last year after Russia invaded Ukraine, there were a lot of economic sanctions put in place against Russia to um, push back against them and their aggression in Ukraine. And most observers in the world were pleasantly surprised at how well um, many countries banded together and imposed these sanctions. And I think everyone learned something about what could be done internationally when countries rally together. So this kind of framework of economic sanctions um, could be really strengthened and used on the climate front to keep people in line with an agreement. So I'm just going to notice that um, with Russia, while I believe the sanctions are a good thing, they did not deter Russia and keep Russia from invading. And the reason is that before they were put in place, they were not clearly codified in law. And so it was impossible for Russia to know exactly what countries were going to do, that they would actually impose these sanctions. And so it did not act as a deterrent because it was so unclear. And so now that countries have really flexed their muscles and used these tools, what I would argue is that the international community come together and really make this specific, how these tools are going to use, how these tools will be used, how this system will work as an integrated um, system, but then also be very clear on what types of behavior in the world will um, cause these economic sanctions to be used. And so in the realm of climate change, there's some really low-hanging fruit that we could use such a system for. So for instance, we see that around the world, countries keep subsidizing fossil fuel industries. So at a time when we realize that fossil fuels are killing us and killing nature and destroying our future, we're still subsidizing them to keep them cheap, which is pretty astonishing that this is still happening. But part of this whole thing I'm describing lays on this very psychological um, aspect of this, which I don't think gets talked about, is that when countries can't trust other countries to follow through, then they're not likely to. So in the case of fossil fuel subsidies, um, I might say that my country, I don't want to um, restrain my own coal industry and my own oil industry and then have other countries just keep blasting away and keep doing it and still warm the climate. So then basically I've maybe inhibited my own economy and still not managed to solve the climate because everybody else just keeps doing it. 
And so if there were economic sanctions in place, then I would know I can go ahead and restrict my own um, emissions through coal and oil and such and know that other countries will follow through. So I won't put myself at an economic disadvantage compared with other countries. And so, um, you know, with a certain mindset, I might say, well, I don't want any restrictions on me and what I can do because I want to be able to do what I can do. But it's really about the other guy and getting them to follow suit so that we can all do this together. And like, I won't know that my, I will know that my country will not be disadvantaged um, if I try to do the right thing. Or similarly, economic sanctions could be used with this agreement that countries have not followed through on to fund um, poorer countries and their efforts to go green and to deal with the climate. So you could just impose a formula um, that would be fair based on various wealthier countries, the size of their economy or the size of their population. Just come up with a formula that's fair and everyone has their piece to kick in. But if they don't kick in, then they would have some economic sanctions, which would hurt them. So it gives them every incentive to just go ahead and kick in the money because otherwise it's going to cost them more to restrict their trade and, um, you know, tariffs would be applied to their exports or various financial tools would be used against them, which would be costly. So then it just switches the incentives and it turns out that just doing the right thing is going to be um, more sound financially than going against the agreement. So these kinds of areas like um, funding poorer countries or the fossil fuel subsidies, like I say, these are maybe the more low-hanging fruit or the easier ones because it's just so obvious that it needs to happen um, and also doesn't require transforming one's whole economy. Now, it does get a little more complicated when we try to apply such a system to these voluntary agreements or voluntary targets that countries have been offering as part of the Paris Agreement process because they're all different. Countries have all been offering different types of things, different types of goals. There's no really set standard. But I would argue that if we start putting in place a system of economic sanctions like this, then we have it when we need it. If we find in a few years that countries are not following through, we're going to need a way to take action really quickly. And I think we're going to want to have the tools in place so that at that point, if we need to say, okay, everybody in the world, you're going to cut 10% you know, these next few years, or you're going to cut 20% or cut 25 or 30 or whatever the goal makes sense. Take a percentage that everybody has to reduce their emissions or else they're going to face some economic sanctions, which will then limit their economy, limit how much money their businesses can make, limit their exports. Um, it'll give us a tool to really kind of tighten the screws and make everybody get on board at the same time. And I think I'll just sort of summarize as I start to wrap up here that 
the important thing to realize is just this psychological dynamic where I think most countries and most people would like to do the right thing. They just want it to be fair. And they also want to make sure that if they do um, sort of have some sacrifice on themselves, they want it to at least work. They want it to at least re result, result in a climate that is safer instead of just having to do it themselves voluntarily and just hope that everybody plays ball. That's real hard to get people to take that leap um, of trust. So really, um, these things with economic sanctions, it's not about punishing anyone. It's just establishing trust so that everybody can get on this together and act at the same time in unison and get this done. So that's my idea that I hope that international negotiators will get on board with. Um, if we're lucky, they'll start that this year. If they don't, please, next year, could you get this done? Because um, we need it to be better. All right, friends, thanks for joining me. I look forward to talking with you next time. Take care. Hey, wait, before you go, I need your help. It's small, but really important. Simply listening to this show is great, but doing things and taking action is way more powerful. This is not just a podcast. This show is the voice of a very ambitious grassroots organization, the Human Survival Project. We must transform the United Nations so it's strong enough to manage our global catastrophic threats. Making change happen on this ambitious scale is only possible when people participate and work together. So please, like and subscribe to this show, or leave a comment. You know how this works. With likes and subscribes and comments, you're telling the computer algorithms that you care about this show. So the algorithms will then recommend this show to other people. This is how we grow and reach a bigger audience. And this growth is really important for a global grassroots movement trying to improve how the world operates. We can't do this alone. We need you. Beyond liking and subscribing, here are three other ways you can help. One, share this show with a friend, person to person. A growing audience powers this cause. Two, come to our website www.thehumansurvivalproject.org. Three, at the website, sign up for our email newsletter and keep up with our progress. I promise you'll like what you see, and it'll help you talk to your friends about what must be done to protect humanity. Thanks to Moby for the show's theme music, and thanks to you for listening, for helping us grow, and for speaking about these important issues with everyone you know. Have an outstanding day. I'll talk to you soon.